everyone this is Jared Cowan and welcome to On Location. Today I'm hanging out at a neighborhood restaurant in the Eagle Rock section of Los Angeles which for those of you not familiar with the layout of Los Angeles it's sort of northeast of downtown it's kind of nestled between Glendale and Pasadena. Uh, the name of the restaurant is Pat Lorraine's Coffee Shop and to many it's just sort of their their regular neighborhood breakfast spot which is it's been here since 1977 doing business. Uh, however, fans of filmmaker Quentin Tarantino, I think, flocked to this diner um, because of its use during what's a pretty famous nearly eight-minute-long scene uh, from his electrifying 1992 feature debut, Reservoir Dogs. And what happens here is sort of, you know, before conducting a diamond heist, which goes horribly wrong, it's here that a group of veteran thieves, most of whom go by color-coded aliases, including the likes of Mr. White, played by Harvey Keitel, Mr. Orange, played by Tim Roth, and Mr. Blonde, played by Michael Madsen, have breakfast. It's also where Mr. Brown, played by Tarantino himself, eloquently analyzes the story of Madonna's Like a Virgin, and Steve Buscemi's Mr. Pink philosophizes about not tipping waitresses. And all of this happens over multiple well-crafted 360-degree dolly moves around the table in what's a fairly small dining room. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by three of the filmmakers who worked on Reservoir Dogs. Today, we have production designer David Wasco, set decorator Sandy Reynolds Wasco, and location manager Billy Fox. Thank you guys so much for joining me today here. Thank you so much for... uh, for the interest. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, it's good to get together every so many decades. <laughs> it, it is the 25th anniversary, it's 25 correct? years, 25 yeah. years. It's amazing. So when, when's the last time any of you were here? Um, I, we may have come back once. We may have, but it we was We may have come back once, really but I believe Probably that, not much uh, since shooting. Yeah, it, it, it really has been 25 years, and I, I believe that this was day one of filming. Right? It was, sure it was day one filming. script and, was and, shot in sequence. Day one, scene one, 360 dolly move. Yeah. All actors on board. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Has anything changed here? Uh, that you remember? I'm stunned that, that very little has changed. <laughs> but not much. I mean, the wall's yeah. the same. I think some of these fake plants are even from the that, that era. <laughs> the chairs are a little it, different. It's, it's pretty intact but original. same red glasses that we're drinking, these plastic red glasses are the same. I've got to look over at the coffee cups. I think yeah. they're changed. But this is... I mean, they're new right. versions, right. but it's the same yeah. thing. Yours is red. No, the Mine's layout. The layout is pretty much. Uh, <laughs> the layout is pretty much intact. The the fixed counter uh, is is all original, and we brought in a, a large round table that Andre Sakula, cameraman, did a did a circular dolly track around. Right, and I remember talking to Andre about it, and I think he said. That you actually had, he, he put, there was a gap in the track so that you could actually put the table sort of closer to the to the gap because you really couldn't get a track all the yeah. way around the table in this space. Yeah. And then he would rotate the track or at least put the gap in the opposite side and then shoot the other way, which is pretty amazing. When you were working on Reservoir Dogs, did you guys get the sense that you were working on something special that would lead to bigger things? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the get to, the people stopping by the set 
Yeah. And it was, the script it was just like, right off, right? But we, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we read, we read the script and, and went after it and interviewed on it. Bill, Billy was actually hired on prior to us coming on, and Billy was scouting locations early on. And then when I came on board, um, there were certain things that were that were already uh, established and confirmed as this is where we would like to film. I don't remember if this was one, but I know the warehouse was no, already it found. was <laughs> here. Remember, we went to breakfast with uh, Lawrence Bender yeah. and Quentin, yourself and yeah. myself. Yeah. And we went to an IHOP. Yes. And Quentin, in all seriousness, after yes. ordering Rudy Tootie yeah. fresh and fruity, said, this is where I want my film yeah. to open. And that's on, that was on Figueroa. Figueroa is still there? Avenue or is 26, gone? still very much there. Yeah. yeah. And I explained to him that it would eat up my entire $78,000 budget yeah. day yeah. one, and the rest <laughs> is all tight chats yeah. ahead. Yeah. So how do you yeah. like that? And yeah. We we gelled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was uh, actually one of the classic um, Armit and Davis design IHOPs that uh, is also unchanged and very original. And uh, and Billy is right. I think it was a, a budget breaker to try to do a corporate thing. So I think it veered to a mom and pop establishment, for, which which is this. this sure. Place. And. How did you, there was quite a search though for this place. Yes. Um, but I guess let me ask you all too, was it, did you find, was it the warehouse that you guys had to kind of set first and get that squared away? Yeah, and then was I sort of everything that, based around the, the warehouse. Out. The warehouse was sort of fig, uh, an, a, a, an anchor location that was already established. Um, and we, we all were actually going around with Monty Hellman, who um, who I think it's safe to say he was the original director for Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I didn't. I didn't and didn't uh, and wow. so he he had brought on board his cameraman, Josep Savit, a Spanish guy that was uh, an, an amazing cameraman, and we were scouting with him. But Josep had just come off of three movies consecutive back to back, and felt kind of burnt out and um, and on his own accord decided to step back and then there was a scurry to bring in Andre Sakula who on uh, who uh, Monty also brought in but my understanding was that when this is pre Harvey Keitel even which even committed to the movie and once Harvey committed to the movie it became a bigger thing and Harvey kind of took the producer reins and then was the one that um, not muscle recommended, but he 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 promoted, he, he promoted Quentin and said this would be a good thing. It was all done in a very above board, very uh, cordial way. Monty remained very act very much with us all the time, but Monty sort of stepped back a little bit and Quentin sort of took over. That was my understanding. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I also before you know we get further into the locations, I do want to say to you, Sandy and David, congratulations on your Oscar win this Thank year. You. I do another another LA movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another yeah. LA movie. Exactly. Well, the trip started Good here. People probably. do win. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> Love it. And I wanted to ask you: Is there is there something that you took away from your early LA work and working on Reservoir Dogs that you have later then applied to other films? Absolutely. You know, including La La Land. Absolutely. We love L.A. We, we live in L.A. We love L.A. 
LA is still people think it's it's shot out and tapped out. There's still things that people discover that I discover. I like to consider myself, you know, knowledgeable about architecture and 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 the city. It's vast, and there's still things that are not ex- exploited or have not been shot. And um, I just apply that to 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 each movie, and that it did kind of start. With this, actually, prior to this was El Norte, which was I, I wasn't the designer on that, but I was a key art department person, and that's a serious Los Angeles movie, um, uh, 1984. But uh, you know, following this, Pulp Fiction was also heavy location uh, location work around Los Angeles. Jackie Brown, heavy location yeah. work mm-hmm. around Los Angeles. Collateral, heavy location work around Los Angeles. Well, I, think, I can go on. Yeah. And the thing that was great about Quentin's writing, though, here and then in Pulp Fiction, is that it, it reached into different eras of characters. I mean, in, in Pulp, it sort of seemed like there were 40s boxing characters, and then the then there were the, the 90s or more contemporary bad guys apartment in, in the Beverly Hills Hills, but there were there were eras to get into, and those could really easily be explained through production design by the architecture and the setting. But but we did know, we when we read Reservoir Dogs, Quentin was unknown. Mm, the script totally. came to us, and we were like, this is, this is amazing. Well, Sandy and I, I, how the interview process for me is, we read the script, and then I have to go interview, and I, I interviewed with Quentin at a Lawrence Bender's apartment in the uh, Miracle Mile area of Wilshire Boulevard, and I got the job. I think I was probably a, one of four or five people that they met, and uh, but we we knew it was something. That there's there's kind of a vibe and an atmosphere on on a set when you know you have something pretty amazing. That was the case with Reservoir Dogs. And we've we've had a few others that are similar, where you really know that there this is absolutely special, and every day is a joy. Every day was a joy with with Quentin. He was just he was like a kid in a candy store. He totally. was just given this opportunity <laughs> to. Well, and he got this great ensemble cast together who could deliver his lines. Yeah. Steve Buscemi could do his lines like nobody other than himself. Yeah. It was amazing. But Quentin would, would would actually physically act out these things that how he wanted the actors to do their thing. So for us, it was a joy being 10 feet watching all this unfold in front of us to watch Quentin show how he wanted the, the actors to do their thing. It was, ama- it was amazing. Being from Los Angeles, Quentin being from here, did he have ideas about where he wanted to shoot? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Initially, because uh, Quentin and Lawrence Bender met at a video store that Quentin was working at in Torrance, Quentin wanted to put the whole movie in Torrance. And it was like, Quentin, this is we're going to be doing 15, 16 hours. You are going to kill your crew driving to Torrance. Let's reel it back this way and then it it, it was a, a little rough at first because I had come from a big studio picture and I was full of how that operated yeah. and then to kind of downsize everything get realistic about wow I've got $500 a day to get us locations 
What the heck are you going to do? And you just, I mean, creative, pulled favors. Uh, the city handled permits back then. Right. They gave us a waiver on a, on a fireman. That probably would have cost us 25 grand right there. Uh, so every little nuance, every favor, you, you felt like you had to. If you're a filmmaker, right. you had to give back to the art on this one. So how did you, how did you eventually convince him that you needed to be up here? Uh, and was he, receptive, was he receptive to it? Uh, reality. I drove him down to Torrance in my car, uh -huh. came back, and it was like, there's your reality. How do you feel? Yeah. And it's like it, he realized it. It would have killed him. And hmm. you know what? We based, uh, didn't we have some offices in Hollywood? In Hollywood. There, Hollywood right Hollywood on Boulevard. Boulevard. And, and actually, the, the, there was a office? rooftop yep. scene. Yeah, the rooftop. Yeah. Yeah. There was a rooftop scene with Tim Roth and uh, the actor, I'm drawing a blank on his name, yeah. that was at on the roof of that office. Yeah. Right, and it's right near and, Hollywood and Highland. And, there, and right? I think the only... Right correct, above Hollywood two guys Island. from Italy. And the only, <laughs> the, only, the only... It had a high parapet wall, and you saw what what I believe was the kind of uh, uh, rooftop of, I think it's a Max Factor building. Yes. That's the, uh, yes. the First National yeah. Bank building, I think, yeah. of Hollywood. Well, there I was, a, there was a, an older sort of uh, pointed top mm -hmm. building, and then there were a couple of other bank buildings around, but Hollywood Boulevard was... Yeah, it was the, the decorative yes. piece. Yes, yeah. right, on the corner, right, right, on exactly. right on the corner, right on Factor. Right on the corner, yeah. 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 No. Um, but that was where our production corner. offices were. Oh, cool. All, okay. all very unproduction friendly nowadays. Well, I think our like, oh, yeah. With no parking table. and no, you know, you'd never, we'd never have uh, Hollywood Boulevard. I, I went back to the neighborhood here yeah. Uh, yeah. two years ago. And actually, uh, just having done Reservoir Dogs in the neighborhood, it's still, the street cred still yeah. held up. Because yeah. remember, we. We didn't. We didn't have lots of money, so we couldn't come in and just bully people away. Yeah, it was yeah. all like getting to know you neighbors because yeah. yeah. we're going to take over this mortuary for yeah. a month. Yeah, and everything we do is going to base some way or other off yeah. that. Yeah, other than of course one of your most expensive locations. Yeah. Yeah. The men's room. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because the most expensive set piece that we did. <laughs> we, we, this was mostly a practical, a dress practical location movie, and so key great locations w drove the look of the movie. But the most expensive thing that we built was a sound baffle wall <laughs> that was yes. because Figaro, uh, the, the, the warehouse was on a rather busy Figueroa Street, and there were periodical buses that would come by and kill these. Uh, long dialogue takes so they said David what can we do something so we built this uh, uh, 18 inch thick sound baffle that was about 20 feet high with with Lexan windows so that they could light through the windows and it was a massive just a big uh, sound barrier that that deadened the sound of the uh, 
and it was on the on wow. the on the sidewalk outside the warehouse. And, Otherwise, but it we was couldn't have done it without any Tim. Tim yeah. Roth had to lay out yeah. the floor. And oh yeah, syrup because for the, the warehouse syrup. the That's warehouse right, the it was syrup. like doing it was like doing a mammoth play. It was really right. yeah in this one room, but but when you really look at the movie, everybody thinks that oh it's all in a warehouse. It is all around. Mm -hmm. It's all over the place. And then there were scenes that were shot that didn't make it in the movie. Like there's just um, hamburger stand up in Sun Valley that oh, there was yeah. a huge scene that was Tim Roth talking with um, with the other cop mm -hmm. and, and uh, they were sort of describing very interesting I don't even know if they made it in the extra things but there there were scenes that we shot in all different parts that was of, a cool of location I mean it was at railroad tracks and yeah. all the snap things we couldn't afford yeah. Mm, right. This is our background. Look, yeah. we've yeah. we're blowing this one million dollars. For the most part, the it was it really was based around Highland Park, uh, Eagle Rock, the shoot the shootout uh, mm -hmm. was really uh, on like York was it York York York, 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 York and, and Avenue and, Fifty. Yeah. So now um, a very very nice yeah. uh, coffee. So, Shop. And then the the, the, the very famous uh, walk uh, uh, yeah, bowling, bowling alley, alley is still here. The red brick facade yeah. is now skinned over, but that's still here. That's just right down the street. So it's from a practical standpoint, you're ending up just being so that you're not moving company around a lot. Right. So I think Billy's job was to very cordially say this is the most practical thing to do and not be driving down to Torrance like we, where Quentin grew up. We had two men in our whole transportation department to move it. It's little compared to the scope of like, gosh, when you do La La Land in some of your bigger films, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta look back and almost laugh. Geez, we had two star wagons to share for the four actors on that day or yeah. something really small yeah. like that. What was it like scouting with Quentin? Was he, um, was he excited? Excited every the turn. Stories, <laughs> the stories in, in, the, in yeah. the car was just amazing. Yeah. Stopping and getting hamburgers with him. He's a, he's, and wonderful he's a once he got sponge. to locations too because he'd act, he'd go through oh, the yes. script he just, to it, make sure it worked. And he was very open to Ideas. the surroundings as long as he could pace his words and and it was sort of friendly to what he yeah, was doing but a, that was wonderful a key Give thing, room, a key thing to quinn watch. was the was the uh geography of a room so that his his words were paramount and to be protected so it was however many words an actor had to talk and walk around a room kind of drove the size and that's why the warehouse kind of became this kind of perfect environment to do Stage. to do his thing but then tim roth's apartment billy refreshed my memory ended up really for practical reasons was upstairs right and we painted it because quentin wanted what you didn't see in the movie he had the actor tim um building a model of the thing the the uh marvel comic character so he wanted the room painted in the colors of the thing so we painted the room Blue and, brown. Um, blue and brown, the colors yeah. of the thing. Uh, you do say, I think when he's running out of the room, he's about to leave, you, you see, see the thing just on the coffee table, bit. like very quickly. Yeah. And he, I think he like knocks it over, like, but yeah. you do see it like yeah. in the corner good. of the frame. And then there are little posters, the poster. that, like the Silver Surfer, yes. that um, 
he, he uh, part of kind of Quentin's posse of friends that actually work with him at the video store um, were really, really great graphic designers, Jerry Martinez and uh, Chris Cullen and, and Craig Hama, all from the Torrance South Bay area, um, did phenomenal. Uh, and then also I'll throw out Roger Avery, who was the, the co-writer for Pulp Fiction. Roger is actually a great graphic designer. Roger did the little logo, which was a dog with a, with a bite out of its back. Yeah. Roger designed that, but some of the posters in the Tim Roth apartment, Silver Surfer, there was an original poster of an original comic book character. These were all done by Jerry Martinez, Chris Cullen, um, and then I've used them. They've helped me do graphics on Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, and so it was. But they would also do the wonderful sort of character. Cereal boxes, and yeah. too. There was so a crunchy crunch cereal thing, or I don't Kaboom remember the Kaboom, yeah, that uh, was, I believe, an original prop box that was done by um, through Hama Design, Chris Cullen and and uh, and Craig Hama. Do you have any preference working on location versus absolutely. doing stuff on stage? Or no what? question. No question. Absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely try to do everything practical location first, 100%, doesn't matter the size budget of the movie, and then if it becomes problematic that it's in a practical location, we either um, supplement, build, build it as a set, or add elements inside the practical location, but I so prefer to do, I think that there's a reality that comes out of being in a practical location that actually helps the actors and helps the director and, and then ultimately comes off being like more true and, and less fake and, and that's so. Um, but I think a lot of the times, I mean, I'm, I, I'd say I'd, I'm flexible, but of course the, the location is a little restricted. Of course, for lighting, for temperature, for all kinds of things. So, but what I know David does like to do is look at reality if a director, if the reality appeals to a director, and then we'll take a lot of the the essence of that reality and then put it onto a set and put it into the elevations and things like that. Yeah. Um, also, looking at locations, if they're sort of they're character driven because the location person is looking for something suitable, what I get to do going through those is just learn a lot about that type of person or neighborhood or something that I can take back to a set if it's eventually. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll yeah, look at really we'll look at real uh, interesting, uh, like for the joke habit, the Lawrence Tierney character. We looked at we needed to find his office. Mm. And we, we look at a whole bunch of different places as, as options. Uh, and, uh, we found we, another tiny, tiny place. Yeah, we, we were, <laughs> Sandy, Sandy and I were, were kind of fresh off of, uh, and, and very, we're fresh off of working on this case study house exhibit at MOCA. So we had this mid-century vibe way before it became the big thing that it has become and still is well, architecturally. In so I, I was trying to steer it more modern and but we ended up for the joke habit office it was actually in the very 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 first drive-in um uh corner mall called chapman market it's the very first drive-in mall in los angeles and it was an office 
upstairs wow. in that Which building. Which is a beautiful 19, what, turn oh, of the 20s, century? 20s, 20s, 20s. Yeah, uh, really But it suited him really well because it uh, gave him that, without him having to explain that he was a heavy right. you know, goomba, yeah. you, yeah. could, you could tell that he had some power. Yeah. Well, it has but this like mahogany. That was all that. That library actually yeah. in the Chapman building, it's done by Doug Curran. Okay. And his family are the ones that donated the property where USC now sits. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now we're, and I got that for $500. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. By hanging out with. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, Brian in the photo studio downstairs yeah. promising to yeah. deliver a case of beer every day at yeah. 5 p.m. and $500 yeah. and do your cool yeah. movie. Yeah, they were heavyweight photographers. Do you remember what happened a few blocks from us here with the search for this more for modern, bigger, spacious? We were at the dean's office. Oh, oh at the at, Occidental at the, College. Yeah. Well, there was actually oh. a very cool room yes. in that college. Yes, it was that I liked a lot for the Joe Cabot office. Yes, and I don't know what I don't know what happened. Here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we went in with Quentin. Okay. He thought the dean would get as excited as he would. Okay. <laughs> and we couldn't really lay it out to him in increments. And yeah. Quentin started acting it all yeah. out. And you know, and oh yeah, and he pushes him here and punches yeah, yeah, him there. Yeah. And we were escorted <laughs> right out that. the door. <laughs> and then, then I was really stymied. Yeah. And, and somebody said, you might try this Doug Current. Yeah. He's a nice enough yeah. guy. Yeah. You might, and that was his family library, which That's, we did break the window on. Well, yeah, that was the other <laughs> the other thing that was interesting. That was I, I still think that the look of the movie is so um, is so uh, uh, contributed to Andre Sarkula's photography, and he he was fresh from England. Uh, this being, I believe, his first U U.S. movie. We uh, it was shot on film, and it was I believe it was a food I think it was a Fuji film uh, um, that required super super high lighting, uh, heavy duty uh, like almost double the amount of lighting that a normal film movie would require, and I know that they they had a light up against the window in the Chapman Market the which is a historical landmark, mm -hmm. and and the original window was broken because of the light. Yeah. I think he wanted Andre was really in, a, in Chapman Market, yeah. the Cabot office. Wow. Mm -hmm. In the they especially in the warehouse, yeah. he wanted yeah. very deep depth right. of field. So that lighting and ten K was up really there important. All day yeah. long and yeah. we're almost and, and actually and this crack. So the <laughs> actors <laughs> were were getting burned. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was so it was intense. it was so hot. But what you end up with is this outstanding uh, Look, yes, that was yes. pretty eye-popping and different than a lot than the, the traditional. And I know that I know that Andre trained under his mentor was Sir Freddie Francis, the um, uh, amazing director of photography that 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 has done amazing movies. It was his teacher at uh, in London. It was primarily a location dressing movie. Uh, with uh, uh, with a downplay on building things, and the strength of it was Quentin's dialogue and the actors. And all we did Absolutely. was sort of, I think we meaning what Billy, Sandy, and I did was we gave him a nice backdrop 
to do their their words and their and their blocking and just let them do their thing and and it ended up being this really great thing we gave them a green room to contrast yes. the red blood well yeah. your your paint yeah. scheme yeah and i'm yeah, well, we painted that. i yeah. mean that just blew it out of i mean yeah. it was perfect you you never tired of getting back inside that warehouse yeah we we did paint a fair amount of stuff and oh yeah uh, did. and and we added uh interesting character doors at, at the warehouse because they were just i think metal fold up and we needed to, to add add uh, traditional door doors in these in the doors for to bring the actors in and out um, uh, so we built some elements but also we heightened it was a closed mortuary but through decorating we brought certain elements in uh, Sandy brought in uh, we had a bunch of vertical coffins standing on their on their on their end and we brought in a hearse Mm -hmm. uh, an old hearse that we tarped over that cool. uh, a lot of the actors either leaned <laughs> cool, up against yeah. or sat, yeah. sat. and then we uh, the adjoining room off of the warehouse we actually set it up as an embalming room we, we added like a tile wall and a sink and so there was there were scenes with Bashemi and Harvey in this adjoining room that was background just a embalming room so. right and there's all the you see all the fluids, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and the and the canisters nice and everything. Yeah. That is. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice what what does setting Quentin's movies in Los Angeles do for you know whether it's Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie yeah, Brown, parts of Kill Bill? You know, what does that what does that do for the stories as opposed to putting it somewhere else? What does well, LA I, do for the blueprint and what drives everything is is the script. And, and he writes these things that are about, like, Jackie Brown, which is an Elmore Leonard novel uh, called Rum Punch, was originally written about Florida. Quentin, being uh, a, a Los Angeles guy and really loving Los Angeles, took uh, Elmore Leonard's story and set it in Los Angeles. So um, by setting it here, you, you know, you, you, you are... Um, he, he, it, it's it's what he wants now. What's happening now and is driven drive, driven by budget is movies about Los Angeles are being done in different or cities that are not Los Angeles. So I I kind of thought call it thankless art direction where monies have to be spent to just make the audience believe that you're in Los Angeles. For instance. What we just finished was another iconic writer's first directorial debut, a movie called Molly's Game, and it's Aaron Sorkin who wrote a, a movie also taking place in Los Angeles, but we filmed everything in Toronto. So our job was to make, our department's job and locations was to make it look like Los Angeles. And, and, and so the luxury, and, and even though, and Billy said, you know, he had, uh, you know, pennies to get these locations. We are in this amazing looking city, incredible city, and they allow us to do this here, but now the climate with, with how the movie business has outsourced, it is, it is, it's all driven by budgets and money, therefore movies are ending up in Atlanta, New Orleans, Vancouver, um, you know. And so the luxury that we had, the, 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 the luxury that we didn't even know that we had was that we're in Los Angeles doing these things, and it was fantastic. Well, and it was just uh, fun to be able to go around and find these locations. 
they're here. There's and it's just great, mm. you know. So yeah, but LA was iconic and iconic to all of for myself, I know subliminally for, for film, TV, even if it's from watching Laurel and Hardy or Chips or every movie made during the 40s. But I think Quentin was so aware of that too. And he really wanted the, the, the iconography of LA is powerful even to European audiences. And I think it, it makes, it gives it some weight. It gives the story, if it needs more, a little more. And then there, there, are, there are pockets of the city that are not overly it's a character exploited. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but like the South Bay, so when we did do Jackie Brown, he did get and he he, he had more weight behind him. Uh, he, he you know he was a young new filmmaker to do Reservoir Dogs, so like Billy was saying, um, he did want to try to steer things to Torrance. Well Jackie Brown he had more money. This is post pulp fiction. <laughs> He wanted the South Bay. He got the he South got, Bay. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> Which is and the crew got hotels. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> actually, Jackie Brown is actually my favorite of his it's films, wonderful. and it stays Maybe the best. Yeah. It, yeah. it has stayed that way for me since the day yeah. I saw it. Um, did Quentin's uh, instincts for design, along with you guys too, um, change or? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say improve, but just was he more knowledgeable about design, or had more instincts with it? And s same with you guys as you moved along. I think he always had us research by looking at films he suggested, mm. and I don't think it, it. It may have changed because we got older, wiser, but not so much. I mean, I think he had a real taste at the beginning, mm. and we had sort of a direction too. And so. I think I think there was also a. Um, he, he saw that we were able to give him what he wanted, so there was a trust that carried through doing eight of the movies that he directed. So we, we, we designed virtually all of the movies that he directed up to Django and um, Hateful Eight. Um, there were movies that he co-directed with right. his buddies and things that he did bits and pieces of that we were not involved with, but every feature film we were, you know, helming it. So there was a, a, a trust and a, uh, he didn't have to worry about it. He, he, was, able, he was able to say, David, uh, actually in, for instance, in Pulp Fiction, when we had to do Jackrabbit Slims, he, he had a descriptive uh, description in the script. But then he said, I want you to go look at Howard Hawks' Red Line 7000 and Elvis Presley's Speedway, and these were there were two clubs in these movies, and this is kind of what I want it to look like. So we, we look at these movies and and reference some of the things that were done in the movies, and, and that's the models, what, models, and, models and drawings. You yeah, were models and drawings. But, but yep. he, there, uh, he, he, there was a trust that allowed him to just uh, do his thing, which I think the priority to him was to block the actors and to make sure that they're carrying out the words that he wrote. His characters, yep. Were there any films right out of the gate for Reservoir Dogs that he asked you to watch, to take a look at? No. I think there were maybe some of the French New Wave things, mm. maybe? Was there any André Delon and 
no. samurai things. I don't know. No, Maybe. there were things that Possibly. you could compare yeah. it to when, but we didn't. He didn't consciously say, "I want you to look at this, this, and this." That sort of became the 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 process as we graduated to pulp, and then Jackie Brown, and then Kill Bill. It, it, it became more of a reference mm. thing where he actually had us looking at, at different things to to kind of copy. Was there an overall uh, aesthetic to Reservoir Dogs? A certain type of look that no. you discussed? No. <laughs> I would say no. It was, it yeah. was budget and uh, location yeah. driven. Yeah. And David, yeah. I mean, and we, I was laughing outside yeah, going, how many production designers would ever get in the front passenger seat with the location guy and just drive around yeah. and go, this might be good, that might work. This, I love that. We didn't, I remember yeah. when yeah. you and I went, we were sitting in the bleachers and that's off of Figueroa. There's now a building there. We were looking for a place to carry on a conversation and it was bleachers at looking out at a field or something. That pictures was, of you doing it. Yeah. I mean, that was great. That's To me, that is one of the great fun parts of, of doing our job. Is yeah. that when I'm when I'm in between movies, Sandy and I like to go look at buildings. That's what we do as a hobby. We we love doing that. We 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 love looking at the architecture of LA. Um, one of the things that I think we're so fortunate is, is that in movies we're actually preserving Los Angeles, or at least the way it looks, because. There's such a, um, the gentrification and things that are happening with the city, so much is being torn down and lost, like the warehouse in Reservoir Dogs is gone from the earthquake and the, we called it the dope bus department that Sam Jackson and, and uh, John Travolta walk up to in Pulp Fiction, that fell down in the earthquake also, the behind the Denny's right. off uh, Sunset Boulevard over by the freeway, there was a hot brick unreinforced brick structure just down just like the wow. warehouse you know i gotta go back to the the um the design of the quentin the design of the film and was there was an overall look of the thing and i think it did stem a little bit we have to reach back to 25 years sure. ago but it was a little to the cartoony aspect of the thing of the silver surfer those were really important mm. to him and i think it was to give it some kind of not not overt comedic relief but the, so there were I mean it, there were gags in the movie and I think that sort of framing of things in bold colors mm -hmm. the blue wall the green room and then using those very black and white costumes put it really in a cartoony uh, comic book look even though it was a very you know serious but, I mean I'd like to say story. that there was a grand overall I scheme him telling us but that, there though. but but I think it evolved that way uh, Betsy Hyman, who was the costume designer, also um, was the one that developed the um, was the one that developed the black uh, suits, white shirts. Uh, but that was with with Quentin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. love those ties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was a Halloween costume of mine one year yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I, I put the blood. I put the blood all over. I walked yeah. around with a uh, a little Walkman playing a little playing little, little Green Day. Yeah. I had it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know, Billy, your location budget was. Very small, right? There was I mean, no budget. <laughs> there was no budget. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I mean know, and it made... Do the math. 24 days of uh, filming, right. $78,000. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> it made it so that finding any place was 
a challenge, right? I mean, it every, included every single one, <laughs> and it included where we are right now, Pat and Lorraine's. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I hung out here for about uh, four days in a row, gauging what the flow of traffic was, getting an understanding, and then when I finally had the guts to ask the owner, I'd like to do a movie here, and I have five hundred dollars and. <laughs> None of your regular customers can come in. <laughs> is there a slow day you have? Because this is the day I need to shoot this. And he goes, you know what? I closed down for my two-week annual vacation because of Occidental College being out for summer. And uh, I'll hang out for an extra day for $500 and watch a movie being made. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how the whole thing kept working. If there was a bar, I had to hang at the bar for four or five days to muster up the courage and roll the dice. <laughs> uh, you remember that bar on uh, Lancashire? Yeah. Well, in the movie, it was called Boots and Socks. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I think, uh, I don't know if it's still there. Uh, it's, but it, it, it is. The building, yeah, I think doing some research on it, I think it was called The Lodge. I yes, think it, it was. Right. And now it's called, I put it down, I think it's called Skinny's now. Okay. But the building is still there. Yes. Okay. It looks very different inside it from does. the pictures I saw of it. Yeah. Very, <laughs> yeah. no, no uh, stuffed animal yeah. heads on the wall. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Sandy added. I believe it was sort of the twinkle lights, I think. I don't oh. remember either. Yeah. Well, that's the other that's the other key like. yeah. the other key uh, eatery was Johnny's Broil, right? Ooh. Which which was it Johnny's was it bro or uh, Johnny's Coffee Shop, right? Johnny's, Johnny's Coffee Cause Shop because there's a because there's the broiler place, but that's. That's uh, this, is, well, this is the one right to Johnny's Coffee Shop. Yeah, Johnny's Coffee Shop. I only say that because there's a place. There's another pretty uh, used location down in. Uh, like Downey or Norwalk called Correct. Bob's Broiler. Broiler. But, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But no, Johnny's Coffee Shop. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All these are, are Armit and Davis design. Mm -hmm. They were the iconic architecture firm that did um, uh, coffee dance and the, all of these great uh, kind of googie style uh, hamburger eateries. Uh, the Hawthorne Grill, which was also the opening and cl closing bookends of Pulp Fiction, was Armit mm -hmm. and Davis. So he. C Quentin was big on breakfast and, going, and, and, <laughs> Always and hamburger kind of time, Rudy, you know, Rudy like those fresh. things. So, <laughs> yes. um, so it, it sort of steered us to these to these places. But Johnny's Broiler, um, I, I think it was open at the time. Still, I think. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, now it just closed. We did a buyout, and it, it was, was the, the very last day of filming. Yeah. Yep. And I um, finally remember. Day and night. Yeah. The sun coming up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the first AD and Hellerman and everybody on top of a dumpster jumping with me like I had to for the entire movie. Just yeah. Yeah. keep the train moving along. Yeah. It's, ama yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Principal photography for the movie started here at Pat and Lorenz. First yeah. day. Day yes. one, page uh, one. And then you know, Johnny's. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, the scene here is so iconic now. I mean, it's so famous. Um, you know, and and what's also really cool about it being the first day, it's the first material shot for a Quentin Tarantino film yeah. is where we're yeah. sitting right now. But not only yeah. that, you had, you know, you had these veteran actors 
around. I- you iconic. Had iconic. Yeah. Veteran, yeah. You know, and I, I mean. I mean, the I fact may- also that, to interrupt you, no. to have Eddie Bunker, right. who I didn't know who Eddie Bunker was. And then yeah. I, I realized that this guy wrote maybe one of my favorite, talk about great location movies, but it was his story. And I think it was like Dustin Hoffman's first movie called Straight Time mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Uli Grossbart directed. And it's an amazing, amazing, also a jewelry heist movie. Oh. And, but Eddie <laughs> Bunker, Eddie Bunker um, wrote wrote straight time he wrote the script and he is actually a felon I mean, he was in in prison he was one of the characters sitting oh, yeah. no longer yeah. with yeah. us no, mr blue and mr then, blue uh, yeah uh, lawrence lawrence tierney is no right. longer with us but uh, but the the i didn't quite know how Joke big a deal <laughs> this writer was this actor really that, yeah i mean not only i mean then there's it just feel like there's all these layers going on on this very first day first yeah. day these actors, yeah. a first-time director, uh, and you have this camera move that's going around and around and around. What was the energy like in here? What, how was it when this opening scene was shot? Uh, it had tense moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence Tierney hadn't acted in a yeah. lot of years. Yeah. Decades and decades yeah. and decades. And he was kind of freezing up. Yeah. And yeah. Quentin, unfortunately, had to get it into his face. Yeah. And you know, being a first-time director, didn't realize you should maybe do this on the side. Yeah. But yeah, it created a little conflict that actually I think worked for a bit mm. with yeah. the the tension. He was having trouble set, remembering his lines. Well, I know. yeah. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. I was escorting him home most nights yeah. because he would. Yeah be in a bar and I'd find him and yeah. I finally took him home to live with me yeah. to get Well, he was also in a, in a hotel room and he, he shot off a... Yeah, uh, he was uh, in a flop gun. house on uh, Vine Street. But he shot off believe. a handgun. Yeah. Wow. He shot through his television set, it went through the wall of the next unit and the people were home It didn't hit anybody. And this court case was going on while we were making Reservoir Dogs. And it continued after. So I stayed friends with Tierney. Uh, I went to his final court case with him. He insisted we go to the old pantry in case they locked him up for the rest of his life. Uh, We went to the old pantry, and it was like my favorite year. I followed him all the way to the courthouses. So, yeah, 10 blocks, city blocks, to the courthouse. We walk in, I'm playing like I'm his representation, yeah. just say yeah. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the court case was dropped. Yeah. And then on the way back, we walked down Broadway, he bought his first telephone in 30 years. Amazing. We wow. came upon the Murder, She Wrote set. Wow. I introduced him to an old friend, Angela Lansbury. Wow. And she got him in AA that day. Wow. And he was sober till the end. So, wow. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, that's Mary was wow. cool. So Angela, Angela played a role. In yeah, that. Angela, you know, being having lost her son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did that's a amazing. great job with that. It's amazing. He just stayed wow. in the wings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. I, I remember first day also there there was sort of a feeling of, uh, it was it was kind of a, a fun thing. I know that some... 
like the second second AD, her family appeared on set like to just like 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 to be tourists and look yeah. at things and we were like this is really a movie set that we're not it's not yeah. really you know you can't bring your whole family yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of like, a lot of room visitors most of the kids we had yeah we yeah. had strong department yeah. heads like yourselves yeah. yeah and we had yeah. kids yeah. fresh but no yeah. bad habits. Yeah. That's Fresh right. Fresh out That's of Syracuse, right. NYU, yeah. and they were like eager to learn. And all you had to do was say, shut up, we'll get through this, and then <laughs> if you got great ideas, we'll talk after it. With the, uh, with the budget being what it, what it was, I'm interested, especially in here, Sandy, like, did you, what, did you have to do anything in here, or did you guys just sort of take it for what it was or did you put things up I think anywhere we didn't put things up the only thing we did we built because Andre's lighting and he needed lighting mm-hmm. over the table was there was a big cable a big column about six feet behind us that we put in and then it was open in the back and all the cable went up the back you'll see it in the movie it's not here and then he hung a light above the it, table. It, I think it might have been something that was built on the last minute, like a like yeah. a last minute thing that to help, like Sandy was saying, yeah. help hide hide cables. And there were little things, you know, coffee cups, and, but but and, no, and this not, is pristine. Also today, there's such an emphasis on uh, on clearing everything, and and, mm. and 25 years ago, that wasn't as as important to like I don't yeah. think. We needed to clear I can't a lot believe of the, the velvet paintings have been <laughs> <faded>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, there, there were for sure things that were not here. That, right. Yeah. I mean, were there things, and that does bring me to the warehouse. I mean, in the screenplay, at least the version I saw, it just says warehouse. It doesn't say mortuary. It doesn't say That's any of that. That's why we so, heightened it. Well, by I was doing in the same boat as everyone else. I, I had $5,000 for the movie. And I just come off a movie where that was my petty cash for the week. So I was like, yes. uh-oh. Yes. So I thought, bang for my buck, I'm going to get coffins and... Well, we knew it wasn't mortuary, so we just riffed off of that. And okay. Quentin said that was okay, so he was all right with that. So it was that was it. So it was the car. And then the chairs, I just figured those were you know what you would bring to a grave site. So that's all there really was. Uh, Andre wanted the chains, and that you can see how little money we had because when a DP asked for chains, he, there should have been more. There were a few, and he worked with them as cutting pieces and things. But and how about the vines on the walls? There's like vines growing. That. You added vines. It was all that. painted. The, the color green was right. Added. All the dressing inside the warehouse was all added. All added yeah. and. Uh, and then there were a lot of built elements in the ceiling to hide light. There were there were flags, if you want to call it that, that were uh, painted the same color of the wall that we moved around to hide lighting. Uh, but the vines were added, both interior and exterior, on the glass windows. Uh, I know I painted a sign that said "No parking" on the back on the back door, the door that we added. But um, we didn't need. We didn't need to have a sign that said, you know, mortuary. It was it was not not necessary. It was actually better to kind of keep it. Uh, what does it? I mean, you're kind of riffing on the fact that it actually was a mortuary, mm-hmm. but what does it being a mortuary now do for the story and the scenes that take place there? Does it add something particular to it? 
I mean, and especially because they don't, because it's not really referenced directly, yeah. you just see some of the, the items yeah. in Well, there. I think we added the amount of coffins it that were back, for the uh, yeah. characters. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the amount of, that was, all these subliminal things. Oh, interesting. I, I'm sure That's, in Quentin's yeah. mind, there yeah. was some, because somebody else actually found that, uh, Marina Pasquale found it. That's correct, yeah. He's the guy that actually developed Localist, which all this location guys are yeah. part of okay. a, a yeah. solid network yeah. around the world now. Yeah. But local, I mean, he found it and then he was like, Billy, I don't want anything to do with trying to make a $1 million yeah. movie. Yeah. I'm like, really? Let me read this. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it just, yeah, it became a, if you're a filmmaker, you had to be a part of it right mm. the, yeah you sensed something was happening with it right down the street as we said before is the location from the opening title sequence the walking another of course very famous thing walking oh, yeah. in slow motion so obviously it's close to mm. everything so that's good but how do you get that like how do you pick that place as opposed to any other sort of alleyway a lot, or a lot were found on the on the fly just yes. just just uh, there were things right. that we needed to, uh, like we didn't have. This was not a movie where today we'll do we'll do um, you know there'll, there'll be a, a a thing where you have all the locations found before day one of filming. We were we were still kind of looking yeah, for we things as we were making the movie. We, we'd fall behind and we have to go. Oh, we got to find something all yeah. over again yeah. and be like, when does it shoot tomorrow? Okay. And David and I had jumped in my little Mitsubishi Galant, and off we'd go. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was a nice uh, a nice brick wall right. that had a long run that they were able to walk down and have that as a background. And one of the key props was the prop master's um, vintage uh, turquoise uh, Chevy pickup truck, oh, yeah. which was just kind of parked. We 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 added that. Uh, again, contrasting color against the brick, the brick wall. So doing a, a shoot, you know, you have this warehouse, and we kind of, you know, we kind of touched on before. A lot of the movie takes place there, not the whole thing. Yeah. But a lot of it does take place there. Are there particular challenges of designing a set that the audience is looking at through just about the whole movie? I mean, to keep visual interest in it. Is there something that you need to do, or is particularly harder than designing somewhere else? Uh, well, you I think you always you try and add in the frame, which was huge in that, and beautiful. And I think the open space works uh, for the characters. It gives them a little. It just gives the whole thing room and weight. And but and Andre did a lot with the lighting, slanted lighting, bits of brightness in places, shadows in others, and just making sure walls weren't. That there wasn't too much distraction. It was really very monochromatic. Something to look at everywhere, but not distract. Yeah, we right. did paint yeah. it green. Uh, there were a lot of green theme pieces of furniture that was brought in. So it was very kind of background monochromatic, not too, you know, specific about things. There were some silly things that Quentin wanted us to add, like a little. Uh, he had us do like a little sign in the uh, embalming room. It was like Tony. Uh, like I don't remember what it was. It was like Tony, get but out they of were here great. or something. There were all those or, great don't, don't graffiti here. things. And then yeah, don't don't hit wanted. your head. We added uh, in the archway, walking out in, into the main front part of the. Room. 
So there were a few little things that he specifically wanted us to add. And again, these are his words, his ideas, his things, and it becomes an important uh, well, thing. But they the, were it made the building come things. alive. It made it, you knew other, it had been used before. Right. And used, yeah. Well, it, it also seems to me, when I look at some of the very wide shots in the warehouse, that things are placed in a way where there's just something on the edge of the frame. Yes. A chair is just kind of half seen in the frame. A toilet. I think a toilet. There's was a toilet. Put in. We got there because, were chairs because that was something that <laughs> Quentin remembered being in projection booths. There would be a, a uh, you know, kind of a toilet out in the middle of the floor. So we just we added that. The green, as you mentioned, sort of contrasts with the blood, um, but I think it also just helps everybody stand out from yeah. the walls, right? I yeah, mean, if it correct. was a darker color, I mean, yeah, I'm sure with lighting and backlighting or, or yeah. something, you could bring them out, but yeah. that really makes them, that was when I was rewatching yeah. it the other day, that's what really, yeah. It's a great me. skin color enhancer yeah. too, it's pretty. And the, yeah. um, the, the, the break for the audience though was going, uh, you know, when they would jump back and forth in time and you'd go to the different, locations that were showing both exterior and other interior locations it would give the audience a little breather from the from being in the warehouse but it's very theat theatrical almost like a like a play and right. i think that quentin toyed with doing it as a stage production i know there was there was talk of, of it i don't know where that went but um well you 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 wound up in the highland park area because of this warehouse there, but then you also shot a lot of the chase, the you know the actual robbery aftermath in the area. So, aside from it just being sort of close and it's you know you can kind of step outside and just go shoot stuff, is there something interesting about Highland Park, particularly? Well, we wanted to, we did want, although the movie was set contemporary and it was the early '90s, it was '92, I think. And when we shot it, um, he did specifically want it to have get mileage out of not dating it so spot on with early 90s. Yes. So we specifically reached way back and chose um, 60s and 70s cars because they they become a, th a, a way of dating something. So all the cars that were used throughout the movie were were older. Um, and I think that the when you when you go over to Highland Park, there are parts of LA that weren't gentrified yet, and they did have kind of a kind of a more timeless look to them, like the street corners and things that um, lended itself to helping the the movie not not date itself. Meaning, you can look at the thing, you know, ten years later. 20 years later, 30 years later, and not quite know when it, it took place. And that, that was part of the marching orders that Quentin gave to us, that he wanted it to, to have this kind of not, not specific mm -hmm. time frame. Does it, does it hold up today, do you feel like? Uh, I, we watched it recently, yeah, and it really does hold up. And I, again, I think the strength from what, what I saw from watching it again is no question it's the writing it's the acting um it's the camera mm. i think andre's camera is unbelievable and it really helped create a look for the movie and i think we 
What we did was we, we supported it in a, in a real um, proper way. Mm -hmm. It is still very entertaining and not, you know, not dated or, right. you know. Billy, what do you have to do as a location manager to do a scene when someone's running down the street shooting guns and the cops running around yeah. it's in a lot of films? But, you know, I think people are interested to know what goes into that, especially they're out in the open, cops mm -hmm. running around. It's a, it's a lengthy permit process. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I have to try and outthink the director to a degree, because he uh, directors, especially if they're very creative, are known to pull surprises out on the shoot day. The, the light bulb goes off, and they're like, oh, yeah. So you got to think about three steps ahead of what they may intend. Mm. But on Reservoir Dogs, that, that rule book really didn't apply always. It was mostly begging on the spot. I know, for example, we were shooting the exterior of the jewelry store in Burbank, which was at the time known as, don't film there, the, the cops are tough, everything's wrong, it's tough, tough, tough. But we found the perfect building that Quentin liked for the exterior of the yeah. jewelry store. And we had one shot that had to be done over. And it was Harvey with his magnum emptying a clip at camera. And it was one of those, I begged the Burbank cops. They said, okay, give us 10 minutes. We're going to call the police station because people will you say, on the spot? yeah, oh my God. say that shots have been <laughs> fired. And Harvey, 10 minutes later, was standing there emptying that clip at plexiglass. And we got her shot. But that was one of those just think fast, get a favor, because this just flew in. <laughs> so, and that just, Burbank building. I mean, that's it's another thing. It's still exactly I, I, the same. Yeah. Well, what what do you recall? What that's on uh, Burbank he was, Boulevard. What was interesting about that for Quinn? I mean, it's just kind of a brick. It was the line building. He added a sign. Yeah. yeah. Of it, like Katrina's. I think it's a George. reference to s something I read. Um, I can't remember, but I think maybe a Godard film needed, or something. Uh, could when when we were also finding that we needed. Um, uh, because one of the key props in the warehouse was when they were planning and talking and actually introducing all the names of the characters um, we needed a model and like a, a planning board of where their jewelry heist would happen and uh, I went and I shot black and white pictures and that became dressing uh, on the planning board so I went around the back and shot the alley oh, so you shot the black and white photos yeah, that appear a in few the times there's yeah. the black and white images I was gonna ask about those so images. Those, those are just uh, point-and-shoot film photos yeah um, and then uh, the brick jewelry store which you never go inside you never right. really see the inside it was just a sign that we just added to the uh, exterior in front of it and I think it was a T there was a T inter uh, there was a road that went right directly yeah. into that yeah on Burbank Boulevard it was it was it was one of those odd it, it, it's a triangular yeah. thing and there was <laughs> it seemed to follow us everywhere there was a liquor store across the street that's okay. where Harvey emptied the clip yeah. right yeah. for the liquor yeah. store I do want to talk about the commode story, okay, because it's broken up into a number of places. And all of a sudden, though, 
you're not in the Highland Park area. You're in Hollywood. You're in downtown. Um, Park Plaza. Your Park Hotel Plaza. Hotel so the, yeah. mm, part of the script, so it helped the script. That is an odd one because nowadays that would have been the first thing you would have built. Yeah. Well, rather than bring everyone down to that but area. Billy finds a great, uh, a great large oh, yeah. mansion. It's supposed to be a train station <laughs> in the men's room. Yeah. Oh, and, and the only thing that we, I remember we had to cover over the, the mirrors with uh, similar wallpaper because the camera was getting shown. So we, there was a little planning to do in there, but it was, but the, the but, but other than Sheriff's that, it was great. used as is. <laughs> and the, the, the yeah. Park Plaza, it's called, yeah, right. Park is Plaza. real oh. historic. Well, now it's funny. Great. They call it the MacArthur now. It's actually, which oh, is so... Oh, weird. Yeah, now it's the MacArthur. That. They don't Ooh. call it the Park Plaza. Yeah. Um, but, Shame. Well, and that's the thing. You know, how do you, how do you end up in a bathroom at the Park Plaza Hotel when the bathroom is certainly not the most well-known area of that hotel yeah. to be shot. Well, you know, it's known for it. You might have been looking at other stuff I there. Did. I think you did. I think you both looked at hundreds of them. Yeah, I think we're, and we might have been looking at other stuff, and it was just There's one of these one things where, to go. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't too far from the Chapman Market. Either. Yeah, no, it was mm. right there. It was, it, was it was like a half mile. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. why we nailed it. Yeah. It was a twofer. Yeah. Did you get a good deal to shoot in? I mean, that's a big, that's you a know, big location. Even you know, there, uh, the biggest problem was at the time there was one of the biggest art schools, Otis Parsons, oh, yeah. which, and they were doing all their metal sculpture and all that kind of yeah. wreck our yeah. day. Yeah. But they even worked with us and oh, you're doing an art film, we get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think we we did pay a lot for it. It was around seventeen hundred yeah. plus. You had to tip Frankie and could the have back never so he could that. go to Santa Anita. <laughs> it, was, it was quality. You could park your whole crew for on your house. And for those, <laughs> and for everybody listening, that bathroom was also used in Barton Fink. Yeah. And it was also used in Wild at Heart as oh, well. Great. So other ba- other movies to use the same Reservoir Dogs bathroom mm-hmm. uh, are there. The place where one of the locations where Mr. Orange is reciting his monologue. Is I think an old train platform with all the graffiti. Mm. It actually uh, was a tunnel. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, it Lucas, a, Lucas Avenue. That was part of the original 1920s red line subway yep. system, and it is now a monster condo in that whole area. Yeah. Yeah. At the shame. time, it was a protected art area. I remember that was probably it. Didn't cost. They wanted a lot. And it took somebody, I want to say Monty or somebody uh, higher up in the producer ranks, made a few calls because somebody in Beverly Hills owned the whole thing, yeah. and they didn't. Yeah, they wanted five grand, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. but my director doesn't like any other place. Come on, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, one of the producers got involved to yeah. help with that deal. Yeah. And nowadays. Um, it was so layered with tags. It was really a wonderful. Beautiful. And we, we did not do any. That was a walk in. Yeah. That was, again, a great location. But nowadays, tags are a protected um, logos that you, you, right. you can't. To cl- you have to clear them. How, how we're so hands tied nowadays is having to clear everything, and you can't just show. We would have had to have created that. The production value with that, okay. and that's again. A damn good location. It's like it's just finding these things, yes. ha- and and mm. 
and we got it and we used it and it's gone now yeah, it's preserved it forever gone. in the movie you know totally. it's great it's it's like the wonderful supermarkets in that wonderful um, Fred McMurray movie that that you love the um, Barbara Stanwyck not the absent-minded no black Professor. and white Jeez. murder <laughs> yeah. it's House in Glendale okay. oh uh, yeah. With Fred McMurray, what double no. indemnity? Double indemnity. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. You go into the oh, yeah. supermarkets. That's, that's a fake oh, yes. supermarket. And you're actually, you're actually in these supermarkets, that are, and it's like that's how they look. That was yeah. no, they were not sets. They were real, no. real things, and they walked around. And that's what, that's what we're doing. You know what we 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 preserved a couple of really cool things in reservoir. That's cool. Yeah, that's just like double indemnity. What are your <laughs> what are your Thanks. what are your overall feelings and good memories about working on Reservoir Dogs? A lot of those people are friends still. That's oh, number cool. one. I mean, the biggest thing, of course, were the actors were just drop amazing. Yeah. You know, they were really impressive. They were some of them were just beginning. Some were at the top of their form, but every one of them was right on. We pretty much keep in touch with. Uh, we had a very small art department. And uh, Brett Smith was the lead man. Well, the whole the whole group. that whole group yeah. is, has done every, many every many things with team. us uh, throughout our career, and we keep in touch with all of those people. And uh, just the, the 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 memory of the whole arc that the movie took when it was coming out and and getting the recognition and winning a lot of things was just it just is wonderful, and we we're so happy for Quentin. And it was just a wonderful And the camaraderie amongst the actors, thing. that was yeah. another thing. I remember when we'd break for lunch or things, they'd all go out oh, as a group or it a club. Was cool. <laughs> yeah. Like a, no, yeah. to the I yeah. found I knew which part of finer actors at. Yeah, right? I remember <laughs> they'd be right down the street. It is what it is, man. Come on. That was the fuel uh, to light cool. the fire on this film. Yeah, it was wonderful. Every, it was wonderful. I was looking at this going. You owe me a rental. Do you remember Harvey grabbing my ruby ring because it was better for the scene? Oh, <laughs> no, it was my grandfather's cool. ability. Come here, take your ring off. I was like, I don't know if I can it's trust wonderful. you. It's only it's day one. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> no, I love yeah. the scene in here, and it's uh, yeah. it's great to be here. It's good to see that they celebrate the fact that oh, it was shot here. The poster you on the wall. You know what I'm reminded of that's so perfect about this is this is the wonderful sort of Doris Day world that Quentin would put bad guys yes. into a lot mm. of times. Yeah. He'd always find these some of these innocent places. Yeah, they were wonderful. And they were mm. wonderful. And this is particularly yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Also has a little bit of a Western feel yeah. with these. Yeah. As filmmakers yourselves, do you uh, get as excited mm. as I do going to see when you when you see a vis- uh, a movie location or you you end up somewhere just coincidentally or you're I mean does it excite you? And, and not from, and not even a movie that you you've done something totally different. That's that's our passion and our love. Like to go to the Bradbury Building, yeah. which I've never <laughs> oh, I've never used it. in a movie, but it's used in you know Blade Runner mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so many different interesting things. Um, some of the Frank Lloyd Wright houses that were also used in Blade mm-hmm. Runner and. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's absolutely it's, yeah. yeah. There's no question. Yep. Griffith just, Park just driving around—that's yeah. almost in every movie yeah. ever made in yeah. the '40s and the '50s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. We, I mean, we still consider ourselves so lucky to have uh, connected with Quentin, and yeah. he was very loyal and 
and hugely And what time uh, what a time enjoyed. to share with him. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah it was wonderful. I mean these these are we had these memories that we will uh, never forget. So yeah. cool. Well I wanna thank the three of you for coming here today oh, this and doing really this. Fun. This was uh, I'm so really I'm so fun. grateful to all three of you. Um, and I just want to tell everybody at home or wherever you're listening from, uh, if you're in L.A. or you're visiting, come by Pat and Lorraine's have coffee breakfast. shop. Have bref- breakfast. Have breakfast, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's, at, it's at 4720 Eagle Rock Boulevard. It's a great breakfast spot. And like we said, they definitely celebrate the fact that the movie was filmed here and that it's part of their history. Um, I know all of us... We'll be leaving a tip, that's for sure, uh, here. No, no, and, uh, you're paying. I'm you're paying. paying. No, I'm paying. I'm leaving the tip. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. We don't believe in tips. And, uh, you know, be Why sure. That's out from the movie. <laughs> exactly. No, it's from the movie. It's from. And just, you know, <laughs> be sure to, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook at On Location with Jared Cowan, on Twitter at On Location PC, and on Instagram at On Location Podcast. And, Thanks for tuning in and joining us on location. Thanks, Thanks guys. Jared. Thank you, Jared. Wonderful. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right.